Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn them to Genesis chapter 37. And uh, we have kind of been going through this um, in, in a study form, if you will, um, this, this study called Life. Many of you have been uh, along the whole time, and so uh, you don't need a, the whole review, but some of you have kind of missed here and there, and, and some of you have, uh, are just guests today, and so what we're doing is we're walking through this study of the lineage, the life, and the legacy of the biblical person, the, the person we find in Scripture, uh, whose name is Joseph. And so again, we've already looked at his lineage, and now we're looking at his life. And we are at the point that uh, he has shared some dreams with his brothers. His brothers are away. And we found out last week a very important point from his brothers. And the point was this. It's a life point, if you will, something that we can learn from this and apply in our lives. And it's this. Don't trust your mouth to speak right when your heart is wrong. Don't trust your mouth to speak right when your heart is wrong. Again, we saw that his brothers were full of pride. Uh, his brothers uh, had tried to uh, prevent certain things, and again, um, there were some things that they had that kept them from uh, the blessings of God and seeing some things and experiencing some things, and uh, again, pride was one of those main things. Pride today is still a major uh, hindrance in many people's lives, but even in believers' lives today. Uh, we talked about this, that a prideful heart prevents spiritual vision. Whenever your heart's full of pride, it's hard to, to see rightly in a spiritual way. When your heart's full of pride, it's also hard to hear spiritually in a right way. Uh, when your heart is full of pride, it's full of selfishness and self and all those things, it's also, it also keeps you from partaking spiritually. Uh, sometimes people get hardened in that pride and, and they go about their lives and they think that everything's going to be okay, but they're missing out so much on what God is doing and what God wants to do in their life. Uh, because again, pride has, has kept them from partaking spiritually. And also it keeps people from walking spiritually correctly and talking spiritually correctly, as, as we said uh, last week. But this week, we're going to see another major thing that needs to be kept in check. Uh, another thing that can be hindered when your heart is wrong. And so I, I want to pray and see what God has for us through this. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for the opportunity. Uh, we've had to uh, just worship you through song. Worship you through other other ways, Lord, of, of giving and and also just being here, praying together and uh, fellowshipping. Lord, it's, this is about you. Lord, we want it to be all about you. And now, as we turn to you and your Word, I pray that again, that's what would be the case, Lord. Uh, that I'd simply be a vessel. That you would be exalted. Your Word would go out, and it would accomplish what you intend for it to accomplish, Lord. Life to you, Lord. If if they were to be asked this question where they would spend eternity, they, they couldn't say for sure. There's somebody like that this morning, I pray you would impress on their heart uh, to move this morning, to come forward today at the end of the service and say, I, I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven when I die. Lord, don't let them leave this building uh, if they're in that, in, that, in that situation the same way they came in. Lord, we pray that, Lord, for those of us who have accepted this free gift, those of us who have surrendered our life to you, that our hearts and our ears, our eyes, our spiritual eyes and ears will be open uh, to what the Spirit is trying to say to us. 
and we would respond rightly. God, if there's pride in our lives, if there's something wrong with our heart, uh, that we would get that right before we leave today as well. Lord, we pray you just move now and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to remember, if you've been here, Joseph had, I said a while ago, shared some dreams with both his brothers and also with his dad, who is Jacob, but his name has been changed to Israel. So if I say Jacob or Israel, uh, it's the same person. And so um, he shared these dreams with his family. And we talked about before, you would think that these would be the people that were rejoicing with him the most, right? That's, that's the way it should be. Our, our family, the people that are closest to us, our, our, our blood, our kin, those should be the people that are, are, are excited about what God maybe does in our life or does through our life or reveals to us. Our family should be most excited. I, I, I think that way. I think that that's the way it should be. But again, oftentimes, as we've seen in this study, sometimes it's family uh, that has the hardest time doing those things. Sometimes family has the, the jealousy, the envy. Sometimes family has the pride, has the, uh, the hurt, has some of those things that hinder uh, us from having the, the right experiences, the right rejoicing with each other. And so uh, that's what Joseph has run into. He shared these dreams with his, his brothers. He shared it with his father. And his brothers hated him and hated him even more as, they, as he shared these, these visions with him. His dad, on the other hand, thought about the, the dreams, thought about these visions, thought, thought about it, pondered about them, and, and kind of wondered, could there be something to this? There's something going on with, with Joseph and what God had. But we saw with these brothers that their, their words were full of hatred. They, again, that's the lesson we saw last week. When your heart is wrong, don't trust your, your, your words to be right. Um, but we have to remember that our hearts are our word factories. They're, they're word factories. So when, whenever you get upset and then you just respond in that e emotional state, that's typically going to be a bad thing. If you're hurt, if it's wrong, if it's, uh, again, full of pride, if your heart is wrong, you can't trust it to produce the right words. You need to make sure that you get your heart right before you say something. That, that's a lesson for marriages. That's a me message for church uh, members, for relationships. That's a message for coworkers. That's just a message for all. If your heart's not in a good place, you need to guard your mouth. Um, but it's not just the words. Uh, remind us all. It's not just the things that come out of our mouths. It's also how they come out of our mouths, right? The tones in which we, we use, the, how they come across. Because you can say something that's right in the wrong way. And it can do just as much damage as saying the wrong thing in the right way, if that's, if, if that's a thing. But check those things. Check those things. Joseph goes down to find out what his brothers are doing because that's what his dad told him to do. That's what every little brother wants to do, right? Go check upon your big, big brothers, the ones that hate you already. Go see how they're doing. Uh, that's, that's what everybody wants to do. That's a, a younger sibling is, is to go check up on brothers who you've already told on, who've already been doing wrong, who already hate you and despise you. Uh, so that's what Joseph does. Uh, he goes down, he checks on them. Someone uh, he encounters tells them the other a little bit further down. And so he goes. And in Genesis chapter 37, if you've got your Bibles there, verse 18, when they saw him afar off, these are his brothers, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. Again, we saw this last time, uh, two weeks ago. And they said one to another, behold, this dreamer cometh. That's the nickname, the, the, the term that they had for their little brother, this dreamer. Uh, anybody ever given your little brother a nickname? Your little sister a nickname? Don't say it. 
looking at my brother back there, raising his hand. This is their, and it wasn't like a, uh, we, we love our brother. He's a dreamer. This was a, a very cutting, spiteful, uh, this is, this is dream, oh, here's dreamer. Been playing out in the flowers again, or sniffing too much pollen. He's a dreamer. Verse 20, come now therefore, let us slay him. Again, their hearts were absolutely wrong. They were speaking bad things and cast him into some pit. That's what their plan was. And then we'll say that some evil beast has devoured him and then we shall see what become of his dreams. Then let's see what kind of dreams he has then. So you can tell, again, this wasn't a, a very lovable name uh, of dreamer. This was uh, something they were mocking him about. Verse 21, Reuben, the old brother, says... Uh, hey, let's not do that. So he takes them out of their hands. Let's not kill him. Verse 22, Reuben said unto them, shed no blood, but cast him in into this pit that is in the wilderness and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him, rid him out of their hands to deliver them and his father again. So again, I, I want to remind us, Reuben's already messed up. Reuben's already made some mistakes. He's already kind of got a blot on his name. And so maybe he's feeling the weight of not only guilt, but maybe the weight of responsibility here in the situation. Uh, I don't need to let this happen. I, I've already let too much wrong go on in my life. I need to make sure the right thing is done right here. Regardless, we not only see the brothers did spew out the venom out of their mouth, but they did something else. And I want you to look at it in verse 23. It came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and they cast him into a pit and the pit was empty. There's no water in it. They sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels, which is interesting, right? If you've ever studied this before, read this before, uh, it's probably been brought out or you've, you've known this point before, but remember who Israel is, right? Israel is Joseph's dad. He's Jacob. Who is Israel? Israel is in the promised seed, is the promised line of what God had given. We know that before Israel came on the scene, Ishmael came on the scene, right? Ishmael was not the son of promise. He was the son of perdition. And so we see that God has his hand on this whole situation. This band of Ishmaelites come and he's about to be sold into basically the son of perdition's hands. I love this because we see what redemption looks like down the road. Uh, for us even today but uh, again sold into the hands of the son of perdition into the Ishmaelites so they, they came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt Judah said to his brethren what profit it profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood well I mean how's that going to benefit us I mean yeah he's out of our hair he's no more telling us what his crazy dreams are or anything like that but I mean what do we really get out of it what do we take home with us let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, he says in verse 27. And let not our, not our hand be upon him, because he's our brother. And now he wants to have a conscience. Now, now somebody wants to step up and say, maybe it's not the right thing other than Reuben. So he said, let's, let's, not, let's not kill him because he is our brother in our flesh. And look what happens. And his brethren were content. This idea satisfied them, this wrongdoing this, this decision, this judgment that they were going to make concerning the life of their brother, it made them, it, was, it satisfied them. This is 
what we want to do together. This is the determination. This is the judgment. This is the decision that we are going to make in this state. Verse 28, and then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and they sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph wasn't there. And he rent his clothes. And he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? The, the child's gone. Now what about me? You know, what, what have you done to me? I'm the older brother. I'm the responsible. Now, now what, what did you just do to me? Where's Joseph? And they took Joseph's coat and they killed the kid of, of goats. And they dipped the coat in blood and they sent the coat of many colors. And they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Now, uh, know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it. And he said, it is, it is my son's coat. An evil beast has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, I will go down to the grave and to my son mourning. Jo Jacob's life was wrecked. Jacob... The, the son who, he, he, who was beloved to him was uh, obviously or evidently destroyed. And, and he said, you know what? Nothing can, can bring me satisfaction. Nothing can bring me consolation. I'm going to die in this mourning state. Thus his father wept for him. The Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, the captain of the guard. So not only did they... In, 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 in the outward look of this, in the objective view of this, did they completely destroy Joseph's life, but they also just destroyed their dad's life. Now, when, they weren't thinking about that, right? They weren't thinking about any of that. They were just thinking about themselves. They were thinking about, again, where they were in their pride. What, who, who does this dreamer think he is? We're going to put an end to all of his dreams. We're, their hearts were wrong. Their hearts were bad. And in that wrong and bad condition, they made a decision that ended up destroying people's lives. And that brings us to the life point this morning. There in your notes, if you have it, it's this. Don't trust your judgment to be right when your heart is wrong. Again, you can't trust your words to be right, your mouth to be right when your heart is wrong. But you also can't trust your judgment, your ability to make right decisions when your heart is wrong. But you know what's the concerning thing today is so many people make judgments. They make decisions. They make determinations on, about people, about how they're going to interact, about life things, uh, all kinds of things when their heart is wrong. And sometimes it destroys lives. Sometimes it ruins lives. Sometimes it robs people. Envy and confusion is, is not of God. And that, of course, is who the brothers left out of all of this. At any point, we don't, we, we don't see these brothers ever turning and saying, what does God say? What, what does God want us to do in this circumstance? Again, they were just looking out for themselves. They were just thinking about what was beneficial for them. And then they made a, a judgment call. They made a decision that would benefit them and them alone. James chapter 3, verse 14 says this, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth because this wisdom descendeth not from above, 
but it's earthly, sensual, and devilish. You see with that? If there's bitter and there's envy and there's strife in your heart, it's not from God. And yet, as the people of God, sometimes I think that we have these elements in our lives. They're, they're abiding there, and then we make decisions, sometimes concerning our relationships, sometimes concerning our, our fellowship, sometimes concerning our job, sometimes even considering or con- uh, thinking about where we would live or what we will do or what job we will take or not take again when our heart's in this place. And the Bible says that this wisdom is not from God to, to operate with these things in your, in your heart as earthly and sensual and devilish. He goes on to explain, because where envy and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. And that's what we see with what the brothers were dealing with. There was envy, there was strife, and because that was there, there was confusion. Wait, well, where's Joseph? No, let's not kill him. Hey, let's sell him. It, it, there was, let's do away with him was the, the consensus. But there was confusion, and there were evil works being done because there was envy and strife. But the wisdom that's from above is first peace, uh, pure and peaceable, gentle and easy being treated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. In other words, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So the brothers didn't know this, and we'll get to this. They were about to enter into a time that they wished they would have gone with Joseph. And the Lord has an interesting way on how to work that out. The opposite was the case for the brothers here. They didn't have peace. They weren't sowing peace. They had forgotten that God's promise was to raise up through Abraham's seed. And maybe that's where some of the envy and the the contention was. Maybe they were thinking that they should be the one that, that God used. But it was Joseph. And just because it wasn't what the brothers expected, or even Jacob, just because it didn't fit into maybe what their plan was or what they wanted, it didn't mean that it wasn't what God wanted. And I want to remind us of that this morning. I think we need to remember that. Just because things don't go the way that we want them to go in our life doesn't mean that God isn't doing something in and through what we are going through. So it's not supposed to be like that. We're not, we're, we're, we're not supposed to be dealing with this. Again, there's, there's some checks I think that we can do in our life. Checks like, is my heart right with God and with others? You say, yeah, it is. Okay, then you're in a bad circumstance. Well, are you walking in obedience? I feel like I am, I'm trying to. Trying to be faithful to the Lord? Are you sold out? Have you forsaken all others? Are you operating in grace? Are you living by faith? Again, are you ensuring that relationships to the best of your ability are right? Some checks that that we can can have in our life. There's some things that we can do to make sure that we can can look at our circumstances, circumstances and say, listen, I've done everything that I can do and and I'm in the middle of this trial. I'm in the middle of this circumstance. I'm in the middle of this difficult season of my life. If that's the story of your life, then you've got to realize sometimes that's right in the middle of God's plan. Right? Remember where Joseph was. 
Joseph was doing what was right. Joseph was trying to do what was right in God's sight. Joseph was doing, and look at what happens to him. He gets sold into slavery by brothers who are supposed to love him. He gets, he gets cast down. So if you were to look at Joseph's life objective, you say, well, how's that work out for him trying to please the Lord? How's it work out for Joseph trying to do what's right? Following his dad's instructions, living and doing what's right in God's sight. How's that work out for Joseph? His dad's crushed thinking he's dead. Now he's sold into slavery. What's going to become of him? Again, if you don't know the end of the story, you look at his life right now and you say, not me. <laughs> if that's what obeying God means, is that that's what you get sometimes, I don't want to be a part of it. Listen, sometimes God, again, has a plan through our negative circumstances that we couldn't dream up ourselves. Our responsibility is to remain right, faithful, true to Him, even in the middle of these circumstances. So I, I just don't like what I'm going through. It doesn't mean that God isn't doing something in and through that circumstance. You may not ever see that, right? You may not ever see what God is doing in that circumstance or through that trial. If your heart is right with the Lord as much as possible and your heart is right with others and you're trying to be who God has called you to be, again, you have to remember there may be circumstances that are going to come about in our lives that are less than ideal in a fallen world. Remember, this doesn't mean that God's not in the storm with us as well. Of course He is. He's doing something in and through us. I want to encourage you this morning with that one of the important charges in this is, is not to be hasty in our circumstances. We can't operate in emotion. And that's what sometimes gets us uh, in, in the wrong situation. And sometimes that burns the bridges. Sometimes that hurts the relationships. As, as we get into the circumstance, our circumstances begin to pull us down. We begin to feel the weight of it and start becoming emotional in, our, in and under the pressure. And then we begin to act hastily in that. And when we act in haste, that's when we can mess up a whole lot of stuff. I would say this, matter of fact, that the enemy would love for God's people to live by emotional sway of their circumstances than by faith in the God who never changes. The enemy would love for us to do that. As, 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 as our circumstances change with the wind, because that's what they do sometimes. Man, last, last month was amazing. And then something happened. This week, it feels like the whole world is caving down on us. The enemy would love for us to base our life on how things change in our life. Yeah, it's a good month. Live for God. Enjoy it. Oh, it's a bad month. Turn away. You, you know, don't give all. The enemy would love for us to live our life like that versus saying, I'm going to live by faith in the God who never changes. Because if we do, then he can get those victories. He can, he can do what He wants to do versus God accomplishing what God wants through our lives of faith. And so with that, I want, to, I want to encourage you to write this note down. I've said it many times before, but really listen to it and really take it to heart. Never make a spiritual or a life decision in an emotional state. Never do it. We, I think we all can admit that we've been guilty of that at some point in our life. We've been a Christian for a amount of time. Whether it's fear or worry, or anxiety, or excitement, or uh, you know, elatement, or, or whatever the case may be. Sometimes our emotions 
uh, happen, and then we make a decision. And say, yeah, but that, I mean, sometimes that's, that's good. Listen, I, I, I've seen time and time again, not only in, in my life, but other people's lives, you, when we do that, we tend to have to reel back some. You make a, an emotional decision, a life decision, an emotional state. You can do a lot of damage. So I've got a few things here that I want to remind you of as well. So how should we make decisions? How should we make spiritual decisions? How should we make life decisions? Not just because, well, I like that area, or I want to move out, or I want to do this, or I want to go there, or I don't want to do this, or I, because this is what I feel, this is what I want. We shouldn't make decisions like that. We are God's children. We are, we are bought with a price. We are no longer ours, the Bible says. So how should the children of God make spiritual and life decisions? There's four things, I think, out of many things, but four things primarily. First of all, the Word of God. You should turn to the Word of God. When you look to make a decision that is a spiritual or a life decision, the first place you should turn is the wisdom that's found in God's Word. The second thing you should do is turn to God. This is coupled with, with the Word of God. Turn to God in prayer. Seek His face. Ask. Knock. Seek, ask, knock. I mean, don't, don't, don't stop. Don't just do it one time. Well, I prayed about it. How'd you pray about it? Uh, a couple, I don't know, one time. <laughs> you prayed it one time. And then you just completely changed your whole life based off of one 30-second prayer. Because that's what, that's what sometimes we call prayer, right? Let's be honest about that. We said... We asked somebody, hey, did you pray about it? Yeah, I prayed about it. When, oh, okay. And, and if we were to get the, the evidence behind that prayer, it was we just kind of glazed over the issue in a time of prayer, maybe at dinner time. <laughs> God, if you want us to do that, we'll, we'll know it's your will. And that's how you prayed about it. If you want us to do it, we'll know it's your will. What if you don't want us to do it? Sometimes that's, but again, that's how we approach praying for things. God, because I think the reality is sometimes we make a spiritual decision or a life decision and our mind's already made up because it's what we want. It's an emotional thing. We've already, we've already connected our heart and our desires to that thing or to that decision. And so when it comes to actually making the decision, it's like, God, you're going to have to drop a, a, a bomb to stop me. But other than that, it's your will, you know? We just sometimes don't want to put forth the spiritual. We, we don't want to look at our lives like, I'm, not, I'm, I'm no longer mine, I'm God's. And so I need to seek his word and, and, and I need to make sure that, that the decision that I'm making for me or for my family or for my life, I need to make sure that, it, that this decision lines up with what God's word says honors God. And then I need to seek his face. And I need to pray about it. And I need to ask God to speak to me through His Word. And I need to share my desires. I need to lay those desires at His feet and be a submitted vessel to say, God, if you want me to do this, then, then I'll do it. If you don't want me to do it, then I don't want to do it because I want to be in your will. And we need to seek God's face and seek God's face. And the third thing I think we need to do is seek godly counsel. The Bible tells us in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. You need to seek godly counsel. You don't need to seek what you want in counsel. Well, I talked to the pastor. And, you know, I don't think he, I don't think he's, I don't think he's right. Hey, chances are I'm not. But if I'm giving you biblical counsel, then God is right. Okay. So if it's from me, 
Now, I will tell you that. Many of you I've had conversations with, and, and, and I've said it like this before. If it were me, or if you want to know what I would do, this is kind of what I would do. Most of the time, I'd push you to, I'd pray about it. I would look at God's Word. I've got to make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But again, seeking godly counsel. But here's the thing. Again, most of the time we make a spiritual life decision, it happens without ever doing that. Why? Because we don't want somebody to tell us we shouldn't do something we want to do. Yeah, I don't, I don't need that. But then we'll try to find So I think I know somebody who will agree with me. And they're godly. So I'm going to go talk to them. And that's what we do. And then we go talk to them, and they're like, yeah, that should be cool. Like, see, got it. God the counsel. Yeah. Yeah, confirmation. That's not it. That's not it. Again, because the next thing that you should make a life or a spiritual decision based off is the peace of God as well. The Bible says that God has a peace that passes all understanding. So God may, you may have all, listen, all your ducks may be in a row. Your excitement may be there. All of the logical things may be there. It may be what, I mean, this is great. This is amazing. And, and, and you may have sought God's word. There's nothing really biblically wrong with this. I, I've prayed about it and, 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 and I'm seeking God's face and I've asked you know, for biblical counsel and, and godly counsel and they're telling me, hey, as, as long as it's with this the intent of your heart, as long as you want to do this. And, and so all these things lined up, but, but I've been praying about it and continue to pray about it and I just don't have peace still. But every, I don't understand that because everything else, because here's the reality. Sometimes it's what God wants for our lives but maybe not for our lives right now. And so he doesn't give us the peace we want or the peace we need to make that spiritual life decision. And so, so we're like, well, it doesn't make sense. I mean, there's nothing wrong with this decision. I prayed about it, thoroughly prayed. I see God's face every day about this. And, and, I've, and, and I've, you know, our, me and my, my spouse, we prayed about it and, 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 and everything seems to be good and right. Just don't have peace from God. Like something's still not sitting right about this. There's something to that. But again, I, I, I want to say in our westernized American minds and lives, many times we, we don't even, we don't want to do this because we need these decisions to be made like this because that's the way our world works. You need to make a decision like this. You need to live like this. Sometimes we just don't want to take the time because it's what we want to do anyways. I don't need God to talk me out of something I want to do. I mean, I'm still yours, God, but <laughs> peace of God is vital. All these things should be in something. When we make it a spiritual decision or a life decision, all these things should be a part. But I want to say this is the last thing. All these things should line up. You, you can't have the peace of God that doesn't line up with the word of God. You can't say that God has given me something when it doesn't line up with God's word. You can't say that, that, well, this person gave me godly counsel and that godly counsel does not line up with God's word. That's not godly counsel. All of these things should line up. Every single, they're intertwined. If it's true godly counsel, it would be God's word. They'll point you to these things. The peace of God will point you to the things that are contained in God's word. But further in James chapter, we, uh, James chapter 4, we see this, more instruction concerning envy and covetousness. James asked the question, why, why is there fighting and wars among you? Why, why are you acting like this? Even of your lust that war in your members, you lust and you have not, you kill, and you desire to have, you cannot obtain. 
You fight and you war. You have not because you ask not. But when you do ask, you receive not because you're asking the wrong way or for the wrong things that you may consume it upon your lust. It's because it's what you want. He says this, listen to this. You adulterers and adulteresses know you not that the friendship, the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You think the scripture saith in vain that the spirit dwelleth in us lest it's the envy? Look what he says though. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hand, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. Listen to this. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Something that these brothers, these elder brothers, didn't do at all. They didn't say, okay, listen, we really don't like what's going on. We don't like how we feel. But maybe we should pray about this. Maybe we should discuss. Maybe we should seek counsel. Maybe we should turn to, to, to what God wants us to do. And they didn't do that. They had envy and strife, and they had all these things, and they said, we're going to destroy. They weren't humbling themselves in the sight of the Lord. But they exalted themselves, and the Lord would bring them down. Listen, if you find yourselves like the brothers here this morning, your heart isn't sincere, and your love for others isn't sincere, there's only one product that can come from your life and from your decisions. And it's bad. It's not good. You cannot trust your heart to make the right decision when it's wrong. Maybe you find yourself there this morning battling that. You say, man, I am. I, I struggle with envy. I struggle with, with doing what I want to do. I find myself like that all the time, Brother Kyle. I get excited about something and I just make a decision. Or I get really down about something and it just, it just ruins me. I, st I make decisions in that, in that emotional state. That's me. So I feel like I'm making wrong decisions all the time. I feel like I, I can't get a hold of my life. I can't feel like I can just feel, go steady on and feel like I'm walking in the power of God and feel like I'm walking with the Spirit of God helping me every day. I feel like I'm just kind of flailing in my spiritual life. Here's some of the reasons, not all the reasons, but I believe some of the reasons that can cause a wrong heart and therefore wrong judgment. And I'm not going to cover all these scriptures this morning, but I want to encourage you to look at them. I'll breeze by some of them. The first thing is this, is an unregenerate heart. Again, a heart can't be right if it's never been made right by God. Because the Bible says all of sin and come short of the glory of God. That the heart is desperately wicked, is deceitful above all things. Our hearts, every single one of us, on our own, they're all bad. It's only when Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, comes in and does a renewing and a washing work of the inner man that anything can be made right. And then at that point, it's all of Him and none of us. It's all of his righteousness. It's all of his good work. It's all of his imputing his righteousness, depositing his righteousness into our life. So if your heart has never been transformed, if it's never been converted, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, then the reality is this. You're going to continue making one wrong decision after the other. And it'll just be a life of wrong decisions until you get to the end of your life. The worst decision that you're making right now, if you've never given your life to Christ, the worst decision you're making right now is a decision concerning your eternal life or your eternal death. Rejecting Jesus Christ is going to bring you eternal 
death. The only, the only remedy for that is to give your life to Christ. Is to let Him do that transforming work. But an unregenerate heart is, again, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, that they're spiritual things and they're only spiritually discerned. Number two is an unwise heart. An unwise heart. There's a lot of people that, that, that have some stuff to do with God and His Word, like maybe even showing up at church sometimes or showing up at Bible studies, but they're not engaged in allowing the Word of God to speak to them and then letting it sit in their life and marinate in their life and, and, and meditate on it and let, allowing it to control their life, bringing wisdom in them and through them. But an unwise heart, the Bible says in Proverbs eleven twelve, he that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. Again, sometimes we just don't have the wisdom that we need to make right decisions. And sometimes that foolishness shows itself like this, despising our neighbor. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 10, when wisdom entereth thine heart and knowledge is pleasant to thy soul, listen to this, discretion shall preserve thee and understanding shall keep thee. See, what happens whenever we get the wisdom that comes only from God, we have the ability then to say, I don't think we should do that. I don't think I should do this. Discretion will protect you. The ability to choose right and wrong, that discretion that's needed, it's only when God's wisdom comes in. So sometimes the reason why we can't have a, a right heart and make right decisions is because, again, unwise. Number three, an uninstructed, uninformed heart, similar to that, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 3 says, to receive instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. It's the purpose of, of the, the wisdom contained in God's Word is to give to us what we need to make right decisions, to live our lives right according to God. And sometimes it's just a matter that we don't allow ourselves to be instructed. We don't listen to what God is trying to say. It says further on in that, in that, in that same chapter, it says that a wise man will hear and increase in learning. A man of understanding will attain to wise counsels. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20 says this, Hear counsel and receive instruction. Here's the reason why. That thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. So sometimes the reason why we, we can't make right decisions because our, our, our hearts aren't right is because we're not teachable. We're not, maybe it's pride. Maybe it's, maybe it's just oblivious. I, I don't know, but sometimes we, we won't allow our lives, we won't allow our hearts to be taught and instructed from God. And that keeps us from making those right decisions. Number four, an unwilling heart. Sometimes it's not just the fact that it's not instructed, but it, we just don't want it. I don't want to hear what God wants. I don't want to hear godly. I don't want to hear those things. And it's, so it's an unwilling heart. Hebrews chapter 3 speaks to that. It says, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't harden your heart to the things of God. Jesus in John chapter 5 would say in verse 40, you will not come to me that you might have life. An unwilling heart. Sometimes the reason why someone can't make those, those right decisions or it keeps their heart in the wrong situation. Number five, an unintegral heart. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 3, the integrity of the upright shall guide them. Sometimes it's just that doing the right, there's just not integrity there. Number seven, an ungracious and ungrateful heart. Sometimes the reason why our heart can't be right so that we can make right life decisions 
is because our heart's not full of gratitude and full of grace. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, and I'll close. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Grow in grace. Sometimes that's, that's what we, we're missing in our lives to make right decisions. And then again, sometimes it's just this, this ungrateful heart. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says that we are to in everything give thanks. Our hearts should be full of gratitude if we're the people of God. But if it's not, that may be the thing that keeps us from making right decisions. Our theme this year is others over self. The challenge this morning is to ensure that our hearts are right. In order to make right decisions in our life, make sure that our, our hearts are right. Not only to make right decisions concerning others, but to make right decisions, period, in the sight of God. And so if you're here this morning, and you say, man, I battle with that. I battle with being swayed with my emotions. Man, when, when we go through trials, or when I go through trials in my life, it feels like that's how I base my decisions. That's how I base my, my love towards others. That's how I base my service towards God. When, when things are bad, I, I just I pull back. But then when things are good, I feel like, man, yeah, I'll serve. Yeah, I'll give. Yeah, I'll love. That's, that's how I live my life. That, that's me, Brother Kyle. I encourage you this morning. You can come to this altar. You can pray there in your seat. But talk to God about this because, listen, you may be making a mess of your life. You may not be realizing right, right now. And not only may be making a mess of your life, but you may be destroying somebody else's living like that. That's what the brothers did. They were making a mess of their life. They just wanted the relief. They just wanted to be rid of him. They, just want, they, they made a decision, an emotion, and they didn't really think about who it might destroy, who it might hurt, who it might hinder. And I want to remind you this morning, maybe some of the decisions... If you're making decisions where your heart's not in the right place, you're making emotional decisions, maybe, it, maybe those people that you're hindering are people that are living in your own house. Maybe your, your children, your grandkids are seeing. So that's how we make decisions? Based on how good things are or how bad things are? We don't base it off of the unchanging God that we've given our life to. Again, it's, it's that important. Again, the brothers didn't think about that. They didn't think about, well, maybe it'll affect somebody else down the line. Maybe it'll really mess our lives up. And we're doing it right now because it, it feels good and that's how we want to live. That's what the decision we want to make. But they weren't thinking about the future repercussions. And so this morning, maybe that's where you have. Maybe you just say, come this morning and say, God, help me. Help me to stay grounded in your word, rooted and grounded in your word. Help me to, to stay, keep my eyes focused on you. Help me make decisions based off of what the pastor talked about this morning, your word and in prayer and godly counsel and peace that only you give. Help me live that solid, steadfast life that honors you regardless of circumstances. And see what God will do in and through your life. Because we'll see that. I hope that you keep coming and I hope you see because we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, that part in our study. We'll see what happens with a life that remains true to God regardless of circumstances. And then we'll see what has to happen for those who continue to flail and make decisions 
like the brothers were making decisions. But I want to challenge you as I close this morning. If you've never given your life, as I said, well, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've got to know that God loved you so much He sent Jesus to die on a cross for your sins. He did it to pay for your sins. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So God sent His Son to do something for us that we could never do for ourselves. That was pay for our own sins. He paid for them for us. He shed His blood. They put Him in a grave. Three days later, He rose from the dead. We, we, we just sang that song this morning. Glorious day. He came, he came out of the grave, and the day we get saved, we come running out of the grave. We, we, we are taken from death to life, the Bible says. That's what God did for you. He rose from the dead to offer eternal life to you. And it's a matter of you either accepting it or rejecting it. That's the difference between eternity in heaven and eternity in hell. Nobody can force you. Nobody can make you. It's a decision you make on your own. None of us in this room who have accepted Jesus Christ are perfect. We're striving after the one who is. He's, he's trying to make us like him in that process. So maybe I say that because maybe you're saying, I'm just too bad for God to save. I've done too much bad in my life. Listen, there's nothing that you can do that's beyond the reach of God's love and forgiveness and grace. Nothing. He came, to, the Bible says he came to die for sin once and for all. That means every sin, he paid for them all at one time. So regardless of what you think you've done so bad, God paid the price for it. He was tortured, he was beaten, he was crucified. He was spit on, he was betrayed, he was cursed all while paying for our sin. So if you've never given your life to Him this morning, that's the only way your heart can be made right to make right decisions from this point forward. Don't leave this place without doing it. It's a simple invitation. If you've never given your life to Christ, you say, I want to know more about that. What does that mean? What, what do I need to do? I just want to invite you. We're, 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 going, to just, we're going to pray here in just a minute. The music's going to play. They're going to start singing a song. And when they do, I just want to invite you to come down here. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make a show of you. Other people are going to start coming down here and praying and, and praying about the message today. And if you say, I want to know about having a relationship with God. I want to know about going to heaven. We'll have a couple men down here and they'll take you into a private room. If, if you're a lady and you say, I don't want to be in a private room with a guy, we'll, have some lady, we'll take some ladies to the side with you and they'll show you out of God's word, not just something that I'm saying, but out of God's word, what he says for you to be saved. You can make that decision. You can make that call on your own. Nobody's going to force you. When you leave that room, it's going to be either a choice you make or, or, or something you say, I'm not ready to make. But it's all on you. It's not, we won't force you to do anything. But I'm begging you to at least investigate and at least see what God says about it before you leave here today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge that it's given me. Thank you for the challenge that it's given us as a church. I pray that we would heed your word, that we'd take this message and we'd be careful not to make decisions in emotions, that we'd be careful not to make decisions when our hearts aren't right. Lord, that we would be governed by your word, be governed by your wisdom, be governed by faith in you and you alone. That way we can make decisions from that place. Lord, again, if there is somebody here that's lost, I pray you compel them. And the first words that are sung in this song, I pray that they would move and come down and, and, and ask, how do I be saved? I ask you to move now in Jesus' name. Amen.